here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Rob McCarran. Breaking news, the rating for Raw is likely to fall at 2.7 or 2.8. Sting versus Flair did a 5-4. Jeff Hawkins. This is a joke. I'm going to kick your butt when I, once I get bail. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come after you. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarran and Jeff Hawkins. There ain't no stopping us now. We celebrate on the floor. Top down, we're ready to go. To all the people across every nation. Turn it up and give me some more. Balloon guy! It's been a long, long time. You're such a sight. You're looking better than a body has a right to. Don't you know we're playing with fire? But we can't stop this burning desire. Leah. Referred to by Corey Graves this week on Raw. The great Pittsburgh legend. Donnie Iris, Alia. On Raw, it's time to start trading wins going into the four-way, and Bailey's involvement is in doubt. SmackDown, Nakamura beats Cena, and Swole Shane and KO as seeds for a match later are being planted. Bring It to the Table takes it to Alexa Bliss, and Aleister Black is a Red Dragon Slayer. All that and Alex Riley and a dressed-up, dumpy American Legion Hall make their debut on this week's Glow. Joining me this week, special guest from the Voices of Wrestling Neighborhood, Lucha of the Hidden Temple host, Chris Novembrino. So, Chris, I noticed on your show, you're after Battleground, you're kind of moving into our neighborhood, taking our turf. What, what do you got to say for yourself? Defend yourself, Mr. Lucha I, Underground. I went to the show. I was physically at the show. I'm allowed to talk about wrestling shows that I actually go to, right? Yes. Oh, oh heck, we've, we've gone to LU territory. I'm just, I'm just busting your balls a little bit here, you know? You're, you're part of the family. We're part of the, you're Italian. We're part of this big Voices of Wrestling mafia family that we got here with Lanzas or Don and, and Rich as the conciliary and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> Don guess... Lanza made me a made man. <laughs> no, it was just funny because I, I, I downloaded it and went, oh, Chris talks about Battleground. I'm like, wait, wait a second, Mr. Lucha Underground. Get, get out of our, stay in your lane, fool. We, <laughs> we own WWE in this part. No, I, I like that. And I, I told you I was going to mention him. Uh, Donnie Iris. Did you have any idea what that name drop was when he made it? No, that one went way over my okay. head. Sometimes and, Graves has deep cuts and I don't and quite follow. This would be a deep cut because you, unless you're from Pittsburgh or you were very big on like 80s one hit wonders or even six, late or early 70s one hit wonders, you would not know who Donnie Iris was. Donnie Iris is kind of in is kind of a nerd in rock and roll. He's kind of the bridge between Buddy Holly and say Rivers Cuomo in terms of his look. Okay, but, okay. But he had this hit, minor hit called Ali in like 1982. It's a real kind of, you know, you're driving top-down Pontiac Fiero type of guitar hit. Um that that got him a lot of minor celebrity. And and then he became kind of that every every region has that has that kind of musical legend who has that minor hit, and then from then on they're invited to every single like city 
picnic and whatever, and the music of Donny Iris and the Cruisers. You know, that, that, that's him in Pittsburgh. But before that, he had a w- number one hit in 1972 with a group called the Jaggers called The Rapper. I don't know if you've ever, it's played in a lot of like Vietnam era type soundtrack movies and things of that nature. So, so finding that out when I, he, he was an earworm because I was driving down the road about two weeks ago and Alea came on. And I'm like, I, I've heard this song before and I like it. I've just, I, who does this? Who, and so I went down that kind of Wikipedia rabbit hole of, of reading about the guy and he's, he's a fascinating dude. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was also in Wild Cherry. I'm seeing. Yeah, the, but that was after play that funky music. That was like okay. like when 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 Wild Cherry was trying to trying to uh, trying to m- maintain relevance. I think after after their number one hit, I thought I thought he was a part of that because he has kind of that white boy soul type thing going as well. But uh, no, he's an interesting uh, cat. I, 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 it's rare that I mark for a reference by Corey Graves. I was like, oh, that's my recent earworm, Donnie Iris. Um, so uh, let, let's start with, I guess, the, the top story is, is we're now building to this four-way to Raw between Brock, uh, Bar- Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, and Samoa Joe. And they beat Joe clean. Uh, what were your thoughts just concerning the entire build this week on that? Beating Joe clean, I've become desensitized to it because I have had to come to terms with this notion that Samoa Joe is never going to get treated on the Raw brand the way I want him to get treated. Okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> where, where do you where do you want me to go now? I, uh, what uh, do I what do I think about the actual main event angle? I, I think there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Okay. I just, you know, for me, it, I think this is kind of that point. WWE in their booking, when they have a multi-person match, it becomes trading wins. But I don't think Roman or Braun especially are going to get pinned clean necessarily going into this match. I think it's going to be like count out or disqualification, and Joe's going to be the only one who gets pinned. And I think that that kind of leads to tipping the hand of the finish of this of, of the match at SummerSlam in some ways. Although I'm not sure yet. I haven't really decided who's winning this match yet because I think What's your thinking right now? My my thinking right now is in the in the last half of the year is always the time they put the title on someone not traditional but a guy that they just want to see how far he can go with it. Now, if I were running a professional wrestling company, that would be Joe because Joe can talk and Joe has bad badass credibility. But I just I can't see them if they don't keep the belt on Brock. I can't see them getting around the temptation to put it on Braun Strowman and see what they have here, because he he's big, he's spectacle, he's homegrown versus a guy like Joe. He's getting he's great, younger. He, he's young. He gets great crowd reactions. And look for the for the amount of time he's been in the business, he's good. I don't I don't look I don't view him as a work rate machine in any ways. But the WWE style doesn't need work rate necessarily. They need guys who can do three or four moves pretty good and tell a story. So I, I could just see Vince going, well, let's see what the kid has. We'll put a rocket to him. And then taking the belt off of him, say, before Royal Rumble um, so that they can build to whatever they want at Mania. But, I mean, that, I, I don't... I think you've got to kick the tires on Braun Strowman. I, I'm with you. I, I think it's time to see how far you can take it. They have groomed a really nice 
comic bookish sort of cartoonish monster guy with Braun Strowman that is connecting really well with the audience. I love his tagline of I'm not finished with you. Like every time he says that I mark. Yeah, I didn't like I didn't like his promo into the camera this week. No, the, 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 because it was nope. a, it was such a rip off of it was a bit of a rip off of Nia Jax's thing because he starts with I'm not like most men, you know. It's like okay, it, it just it came off as there's there's comic book evil and there's real menacing evil, and it came off as kind of the first one where it's like. You know, the bad guy appears and he and he says, ha ha, I'm here to fight you, Captain America, you know, or whatever. And, and just, you just kind of go, no, that's not what I want to see out of this guy. I, I want to I see I want to be scared of him when I come to an arena. And I don't know. I don't know if they can get a, get out of their way with those types of impulses, which is also why I don't think Joe's going to be the guy to top line. Although, you know, it, it's also one of those things where the guy they beat clean if they do it, the build that I'm thinking the way they're going to do it, that's usually the guy that wins it. So I can right, see right. Joe yeah. pulling one out here and th- just them having, you know, hey, he's a guy who can use his mouth to get another program over. And then we, if we wanted to in the fall, we could have Braun beat him and put the belt on him for a short time before going into our build the next year's WrestleMania. I think that's the safer move. I, I think with Samoa Joe, you can put the belt on him. You can trust that he can handle program to program. You know what the floor is going to be with Samoa Joe, and the floor is going to be far above acceptable. Whereas I think if you put the belt on Roman right now, you don't know what you're going to get from week to week with the fan reaction. I think that that would be probably a mistake. With Strowman, I don't trust them to book him the way he would need to be booked. Because in my head, if Strowman's the champion, I want him to just constantly be showing up throughout Raw and just beating up people. Like now that he's champion, like he believes that this show is entirely his dominion, and he has the ability to smash everything. Yeah, I'm I, I'm thinking that too. But but yeah, they don't do well with these agents of chaos type of stories. Because I mean, I thought that's what the Wyatt family was going to be. You know, it requires too up. much discipline. Well, it it requires violence. It requires violence and and unknown things and things that may make advertisers a bit skittish. If you're considering this a quote unquote children's product in some ways, I mean, like, like for me, the last great moment like that was the Nexus invasion and you saw what happened there. I mean, Daniel Bryan got fired for choking a guy with a tie because I guess the people from Mattel didn't like it all that much. And really after that, every, everything about the Nexus kind of turned into a normal WWE faction type feud where like. One guy is the star, and everybody else is kind of cannon fodder. But uh, as as that, I, I mean, look, I, I will give them credit. They are doing a better job with Braun than they ever did with Big Show. And Big Show was a much bigger deal at the time of, of jumping during the Attitude Era. I completely agree. I think that they've actually done a pretty good job with Braun Strowman across the board, which is an interesting contrast to the handling of Roman Reigns, where it feels like they've had to really struggled to get that guy where he is. Whereas with Braun Strowman, everything's fallen into place rather naturally. Yeah. Um, moving on to uh, other things in Raw. Bailey getting injured uh, three weeks outside. It appears that she may have a uh, shoulder injury of some kind. They're going to give her some time to uh, to try and rehab it. But um, this is this is fascinating to me because it's almost the reverse of what happened to Sasha Banks. Um, when they ended up bringing Bailey up 
far too quick uh, and Sasha came back. It was like they, they brought Bailey up, put the title on her, uh, and kind of kind of then decided, well, now we need Sasha back in the picture and we're kind of, but this time it seems like they're getting it a bit a bit right. Um, do you think that they're making a mistake? And maybe we can go in a little bit to uh, bring it to the table talk here. Uh, are they making a mistake by really pushing kind of a, a possibility of, I mean, or at least just making a lot of the Sasha Alexa feud rather than concentrating on the Bailey Alexa feud? The Sasha Alexa feud in the bring it to the table context is really weird. I'm guessing it's rooted on some level of realness, but there's also a way that they work on bring it to the table where it's like some of the stuff is directly addressing real concerns that the internet fan has. And the other stuff on bring it to the table is more like planting seeds that sort of feel real but aren't real, a la Vince Russo. Yeah, it's the Baghdad Bob of the WWE. It's telling you what they want you to talk about and what they want your opinion to be, but but I'll, I'll be a little bit more specific. Actually, I'll address your thing. There, there is the rumor, um, or at least talk, that uh, Sasha and Alexa did not get along in NXT and that uh, Alexa felt that Sasha was a bit sloppy in a few matches with her, ended up punching her in the nose a couple times, uh, once breaking it at least. So, And there's rumor that there's some legi- legitimate animosity there. Uh, the thing that I took out of the Alexa Bliss part was was the number of times they said she wasn't a good wrestler. And I'm like, WWE never does that with people. They, that is interesting. They, they never say... You know, she's not the best wrestler in the world, but she's a personality. She's not the best wrestler in the world, but she's a personality. I'm like, this is a company that will tell you that a guy with with one and a half moves is the next big thing in the WWE. And, and, and for them to say that publicly, or at least bring it up as kind of a weird theoretical talking point, absolutely floored me. But I think it's... I think Especially the, the, in the context of Alexa, because yeah. the whole idea with Alexa is that she's supposed to be very athletic. And, and I will say this in defense of Alexa. I think her promos have come a long way. I think she's she was fine. really rough at one point and she's gotten a lot better. Yeah, no, I think in the ring she's fine and her promo work. You're right. Her facials, her acting is absolutely great. But I think it, it, what it was, was it's a misstep on their part. They're trying to play up the whole they're trying to play up Sasha as the big, great wrestler from NXT who's known for great matches versus the quote-unquote, well, Sasha's or Alexa's just a personality who's here, and they're trying to play up. It's kind of in that same way that the Miz-Daniel Bryan feud was kind of built, where Alexa's the, 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 the soft-style version while... while Sasha really loves this business type of thing. I mean, does does that make any sense to you? It does. I, I think that there is one disparity there in the difference between Daniel Bryan and The Miz, and I know this is going to get me in trouble, but Sasha's kind of sloppy. Like, she has her moments where she is not necessarily on point. I, I think that both Alexa and Sasha are prone to flubs. Yeah. Oh well, no, yeah. She gets excited. The momentum is there, and 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 sometimes she just wants to do too much. I I think it's a valid valid argument. Um, 
There's another line in that segment uh, in Bring It to the Table that I wanted to mention, which is the, is Sasha her own worst enemy? But that framing of, is blank their own worst enemy, comes up a lot on Bring It to the Table. But in the context of Sasha, how did you read that? I I read it as, especially the Raw segment, maybe she spoke a little bit out of school in terms of what she was saying there, in terms about Alexa not knowing the Hardy bo- brothers apart and not being a real fan. And that's another reason why you put the kibosh on talking smack. I think, I think, I think occasionally you get that comment. That's a little too real in there. And even though it's interesting to us, it kind of, uh, the casual fan will be like, what are they talking about? And maybe it kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit. Um, I also think, look, and, and this will bring us back to Bailey. And one of my fears is that with Sasha and Bailey wanting to do so much and have these great legendary matches that their style is being seen as injury prone as opposed to just wear and tear of say a schedule on for like I mean on the physicality taking its toll on women and them being kind of quote unquote weaker but also exacerbating it with their style yeah, I think there's something to that. I think there's something to the notion that both Bailey and Sasha are people with thinner frames and less muscle to protect the bones. So when a person like Bailey takes a bump, there's not a lot of padding there. Right. And and there's and there's also I, I think there's also a bit of a disconnect between Vince and that crew of women where those women are wrestling fans and they're trying to cater to wrestling fans rather than Work a softer style, get your moments, do your little movements, get over with the crowd, and go home and do it every night, five nights a week on the road, as opposed to doing all these dangerous spots which are going to put you at risk. Yeah, there's definitely that component too. But but you see someone like Charlotte and her body is able to hold up a little bit better because I think she's a bit bigger. Yeah, she no, she has a much bigger frame. And and so yeah, she can do, you know, the moon salts. And, and and moves like that night after night after night and not have that kind of noticeable wear and tear. I think you're exactly right on that. And I think that's also why you know, Vince tends to gravitate towards people with bigger frames in terms of the women if if they're going to be quote-unquote wrestlers. I mean, I, I, I'll ask you this then. Do you think Bailey makes it to SummerSlam? Or do they make a change? Or do they add a third? Or what do they do here? Well, it depends on the seriousness of the shoulder injury, but, you know, I've had shoulder injuries, and I will say that she should probably rehab it, and coming back too soon runs the risk of injuring it further. And even watching that match with Nia, it looked like the match went on for several more moves after the actual shoulder injury occurred. I thought that she did a bit of unnecessary damage to try to get through this match to get to a countout finish. Yeah, I think I think she'll she'll power through to get to SummerSlam, but I don't think she's winning the title at SummerSlam. I think if there was any talk, no, of nor her should winning she. The, That's risky. Yeah, if there was any talk of her winning the title, taking off Alexa to get, eventually get it to Nia Jax in some way, uh, I I I think that's done. Uh, and the other last thing for Raw for me at least, I'm gonna skip one of the things I gave you on the rundown. Um. The Hardys are now, he's now woken Matt Hardy. Yes, I, that I, was fun. I bring this up because Rob, the usual guy here, uh, 
says that this is never going to happen. There's going never going to be any kind of broken Matt Hardy universe. Oh, this in is the, the Rob who said that CM Punk was never going to fight in the <laughs> UFC, right? He was going to eat a hat or something. Yes, he, he's still. Oh God, he's going to kill me because now he's going to get tweets about eating that hat again. Um, yes, that is exactly what he said. Yeah, well, I mean, it's happening. Although, if you watch the after talk segment uh, of Raw. It's like Matt Hardy slides in and out of the broken character. I watched it twice because he starts as regular Matt, then he goes to broken, woken Matt, and then he slides back out to regular Matt again. <laughs> you know, with with all the sub, uh, all the all the subgroups in wrestling criticism these days. There, there's a part of me, and you'll you'll appreciate this, uh, doing a political podcast as well. There's part of me that wants this gimmick to be woke, Matt Hardy. Yeah, you know where, where no, he's complaining too. about yes. where he's complaining yes. about intersectionality and just, you know these women aren't getting enough time on Raw this week. I want him to present charts of breakdowns of who's <laughs> getting time on Raw, that sort of thing, and talk about all of these sorts of things. Yes, I, I'm with you. The I, second I heard, I get why they went with Woken because it rhymes with broken. But that second I heard woke, I was like, oh, Matt Hardy as woke in that context would be hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I still think they're going to stay fairly far away from the intellectual property while it's still in court. And it's just going to be kind of a new type of thing with, with remnants of the character you recognize. I, I just don't see them wanting to run afoul and find themselves in court. As I, my theory was, if it doesn't cost WWE one dime, and if the Hardys can't take it with them when they leave, sure, they'll use it. But other than that, if they can't see a reason to make money, they're going to stay away from this if it costs them anything. So I don't think they're going to be the broken characters. What I think we're seeing is that broken slash woken is going to be a mode that they occasionally slide into and out of. Oh, okay. That, that, that sounds uh, interesting. Did, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the option. Do, do you have anything about this whole Cass Enzo big show thing that ended raw? Oh, other than I really don't, like this angle? Uh, I, oh, they finally made Big Cass's music less terrible, but it still doesn't really fit him. Oh, there's... That's... <laughs> I thought what they did was Seth Rollins' music. It was god-awful. Yeah. Burn it to the ground! <laughs> or burn yeah. it down, or whatever. I'm just like, no, it's fine without words. They did the same thing with the Usos' music this week. They added words where they didn't need it. I remember the, they used to do this in the Attitude Era with... Uh, was it Benoit's theme? They did it. Oh God, with Stabbing Westward, right? They yeah, took a perfectly good theme and put Stabbing Westward over the top. Yeah, of it. and and they did it. They did it with Kane's theme also. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh, what a what a terrible move on 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 their part. But I do, just, just as an aside, I'm liking the slow build of this whole Dean Seth thing, and it can go a number of different ways. I just hope they don't get too obvious about it I, I i'm really liking that but in terms of uh cast and enzo and stuff like that how is enzo amori in any way a baby face in all this he's <laughs> manipulating the big show to fight his fight for him because he can't win the fight against big cast and he keeps wanting to fight big cast and you are absolutely right after the first time he loses to big cast it's like the character doesn't really have a point of grievance anymore 
unless he's going to train really hard and do a sort of rocky, I'm going to you know train up and get ready to fight Big Cass, and this is going to be my WrestleMania moment. But that doesn't feel like where this is going at all. Yeah, earlier this week I tweeted a picture from, uh, from the Warner Brothers cartoons of the dog, Foghorn Leghorn, and the Chicken Hawk. That's exactly what this whole thing is, and Enzo's the Chicken Hawk. <laughs> he's just he's not gonna give up but it's just like <laughs> big shows like foghorn Ligger. now boy now boy i say you know stop stop getting me in trouble all the time and there's the dog waiting to beat him up um this was brought up on the board is Cass in terms of moveset is he just test 2.0 i think in so many ways he's test 2.0 even his theme update is really? kind of reminiscent of the test yeah a little bit Okay, because I think he has more personality than Tess. I I, I do. I, I, I will definitely promo. concede that. He cuts a better promo, although this character still doesn't really have direction. He just repeatedly yeah. says, I'm where the money's at. I'm which... tall. I'm tall, so I should be a star. Yes. And, and, and for me, from an acting point of view, he either has his words and then finds the emotion halfway through a promo, or he has the emotion and can't remember the words halfway through the promo. He needs to sync those two things up real quick because it's like but but what they're scripting him isn't helping him at all either yeah this was a move with the cast character that i think still needs a little bit more of a concept of like how does big cast see himself now i I get the idea that enzo was dead weight holding him back but what's the bigger vision I, i don't think they've really thought about that yet yeah that's 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 so weird because it's like well we know we want him to be something so we're going to treat him like something, but we don't have a path just yet. I mean, lo- long-term scripting has never been a big thing for these kinds of... I mean, look what they did with uh, Corbin when they brought him up to the main roster, and it was just like, okay, we're going to have him feud with Dolph and Zack Ryder over and over and over again. And that's kind of what they've been doing ever since. It's They've been moving him up incrementally, up trading wins of sorts, but not a real, quote-unquote, storyline plan, and not a real motivation other than i'm they here. figured some of that oh sorry they figured some of that out on talking smack yes. where they let corbin get on the mic and he would just talk about look i come from professional sports i'm a winner that's what i do i should be on the top because i am a winner yeah and they never they never let him say that on 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 tv they always have jbl kind of say that for him yeah. on the commentary which i i don't think for a guy like that, he needs to do his own talking. We need to hear it from yes. him. We don't need to hear someone, you know, it's like someone says you're the best. No, I want to see you be the best. That's that's what I, I you know, show me, don't tell me type of thing, which WWE tends to uh, tends to make as a crutch. So moving chronologically, anything else from bring it to the table you wanted to bring oh, up? Actually, I wanted to talk about one more thing from Raw real quick. Okay, sure. Jason Jordan on Raw oh, and that, also Kurt yeah. Angle as GM. So... I have been catching up on Raw and watching this Kurt Angle as GM experiment. And look, I'm a huge Kurt Angle fan. He's actively bad on Raw a lot. I Calling, think so too. Yeah. Yes, he's actively bad. I mean, it, it, it's 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 like that. It, I mean, it's it's so playing to the back of the room in every line he says, and it's and to me, it's very stiff. And it's very put upon. I mean, it, it's it's really. I don't think it's doing him any favors. And I, I think also he just 
he looked, you know, he he's he's obviously not in the same shape he was, but he's he's a lot bigger, so it looks like he's getting more flush easy, so it looks like he's almost like having a heart attack out there at times, or he just starts breaking into a sweat like 20 seconds into his promo. And I'm just like, I don't think he's coming off well in any of these segments at all. He's not natural. He is loaded up with too many lines, and he is trying his damnedest to stick to them. I actually think they should send him out with a card, and so that he doesn't just have to freewheel off the top of his head because it really hurts his delivery. It would be better if he just has a list of the matches on a card. I think that's perfectly acceptable. Here's your card for tonight. He holds it up to the audience and then reads off from the card. Yeah, yeah the magic of the pre-tapes or that he used to be in during the Attitude Era was he was the he was the foil he was the comedic foil who had the laugh line all the time and in sit in sitcom writing you have that one character where every every line he says is supposed to be a laugh line and that was Kurt's job you know with Edge and Christian or when he was you know wearing the stupid dinky cowboy hat and with Sheriff Austin he was the comedic foil who every line he had was a short quip that would get a laugh now he's now he's kind of the straight man doing all the exposition and he's trying to keep all the verbiage straight, and you can tell he's getting jumbled up in it because he'll backtrack yep. and start going all over again. And I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with you having a cue card out there for him. No, he could really benefit from that. And to get into Jason Jordan and the Miz angle, I, I think that it was a smart move to try to reset Jordan and pair him with the guy who is the most certifiable heel in the company in the Mm -hmm. Miz. The Miz is completely unlikable and the Jordan experiment was already starting to go off the rails where people were booing him. And I feel bad for this guy because I like him as a wrestler. I just think that he is slotted a terrible character. And I actually like the intersection of Jordan and the Miz-tourage and the fact that the Miz was trying to get Jordan to join the Miz-tourage because the whole idea of the Miz-tourage is that they are sons of established wrestlers. So now <laughs> there's actually a link and almost a rationale for the Miz to try to rope Jordan into that. Yeah, I think Jordan's just out of his element playing this kind of uh, wholesome character oh, yeah. that eventually has to change that eventually has to change emotion on a dime that that's never been his strong suit his strong suit has kind of been you know the ultra baby jock ultra jock yeah. babyface fire and if you ever had to play heel gym class bully that was always his, his and 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 really it was gable that kind of brought the personality out of him i i think you know it's weird because you listen to criticism of 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 Jordan in these segments, and they're and everybody's consistently asking, "Is he supposed to be a heel? Is he supposed to be lying here?" I don't think so. I think they're I don't supposed think so. to be straight yeah. ahead, and he's just not a good enough actor to pull it off right now. I think that gets us into bring it to the table too, well, where well, Graves, yeah, yeah let, let Graves me talks about po- that. Yeah, okay, sure. This this will fit in because I think Miz just from. An acting standpoint is steamrolling the kid, and you can tell he, he puts in a few quips in there to try and needle some emotion out of Jason Jordan every so often, and Jordan's just kind of sitting there trying to remember his lines and kind of smirks at that these little, little I wouldn't say shooty comments, but but a little inside baseball to try and tweak him a bit. And, and it's not yeah, it, it, it's <laughs> bringing up that the crowd is booing you 
is not exactly. a very WWE move. They traditionally, like, they'll appeal to the WWE universe, but it's rare that you actually get the word boo or booing said by a wrestler. I will, I will stand up for Miz on this point because I think by bringing that up, I think he was trying to elicit some sort of emotion out of the usually stoic Jordan rather than try and make Jordan feel bad. Or, yeah, I don't think that anything. was sabotage. I, yeah. I think that that was actually the Miz and the writers trying to do this lift of, okay, this Jordan angle is running the risk of moving to a place in terms of crowd dynamic, especially once we put Kurt and Jordan on the screen together that we don't want. I mean, the last thing you want is for Kurt and Jordan to come out and for the crowd to be booing these guys. The optics of that are terrible. Yeah, right now he's Eric Watts in WCW circa yeah. 1992 when yes. when Bill was the uh, was, was running things. And it's like, here's my son, very talented, you know, and, and just the crowd just... And it wasn't that Eric Watts was bad. It was just everybody kind of viewed, viewed it as, as nepotism and, and undeserved. And here, I think... People aren't viewing it that way because it's obviously not real nepotism, but they're viewing it as a contrived push rather than push based on an earned ability or an earned way to getting people over. I mean, they, they see the they see that it's a hook to use to use a music you know to use music parlance. It's 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 a rap single with a great hook but terrible lyrics right now. Yeah, it's a slant. It's like, uh, or like an M9 Shyamalan style twist. Yeah. Where we, we've got this twist. It, wouldn't it be great if instead of Chad Gable, it's actually Jason Jordan, who's Kurt Angle's kid? Okay, then what? Yeah, no, you know, that's that's actually a better one. I, I like that a lot better. Uh, what, what were you going to bring up for bringing it to the table before I so rudely interrupted you? No, 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 no problem at all. <laughs> Graves brings up Jason Jordan, and Graves gives him the vote of confidence. And and with bringing to the table, I think it's. Did you ever read like Greek philosophy, like like Platonic dialogues or anything like that? Yeah. Okay, so I look at bringing to the table kind of the same way you'd look at like Plato's Symposium, where Peter, Corey, and JBL are playing like characters and avatars for bigger concepts. Okay. I'm still not clear entirely what Corey's role is in these dialogues. JBL is obviously the Vince surrogate. And Peter is obviously there to be the proxy for, like, us, the fan, um, and also us, the podcaster, as... You know what Corey is? No, Peter Rosenberg is there to be the voice of the casual fan. I think Corey is the voice of the smarky fan. The fan who knows just enough to be dangerous, but the one that Vince still wants to keep at an arm's length. That's interesting. That's a, I think he's also there to kind of cudgel that fan, too. Yes. Yeah. No, he's, 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 he's there to offset a little bit of, of JBL's Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, so to speak. He, 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 but he's there to endear himself to us, but also to give off the notion that he's being, quote-unquote, fair-minded. Also, I think mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. playing he's playing all three of those roles at once, in my opinion. I think that that's a really good read on him. Uh, he's he's the most complicated character of the three. But when they talked about Jordan, uh, JPL just kept selling the oh, the genetics, the genetics, the genetics, which I think undermines the premise of bring it to the table. But the one thing that they both said is that they view his ceiling as unlimited and and they view Jason Jordan as a future champion, and anything less would be a bust. 
That's uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, that's, I quite, think that's, that's quite a burden. Well, that's the voice of Vince right there. I mean, that uh, that's that's some Drew McIntyre type uh, type type of of ceiling there because I mean, if if you if you do this too soon, I mean, he has to. They learn their mistakes occasionally, and if he doesn't, he's the have chosen a, son. Yeah, if he doesn't have a great program here with Miz, there could be trouble because they're not putting back. I mean, Chad Gable ain't walking through that door on Raw. I'll put it no, that way. and that I wouldn't work. It, you you can't just glue it back together and have it have the same hold anymore. Right. Uh, so I, I think that that's a problem too. And Graves likes Jason Jordan a lot personally, and that clearly comes off in these comments, but. He does concede that Jordan needs a charisma injection quick and also sort of hints at that that's not really in Jordan's DNA. He's the likable, nice guy who works hard and has a great smile. And you like having him around, but he's not the life of the party or anything like that. That's yeah. not who he is. Yeah, and that's that's a problem because that's what they want him to be. They want him to yes. be the life of the party. They want him to be the all-American boy who's, yeah, I, you know, he, they want him to be Bob Backlund on on – on on meth, pretty much. I mean, they want him to be that happy, high energy, rollicking good guy that everybody can get behind. And what he's coming behind, coming off as, as a guy who's disingenuously trying. You know what it is? It's actually Kurt Angle's first run. That's what he's coming off as. He's yeah. coming off as as the guy. You remember because it was like, uh, you know, integrity and honesty and you know, drinking. You know, the all American hero that's really disingenuous about it. I mean, that's. In a fit of irony, that if that he was playing that character, I think it would serve him a lot better. Especially, oh, yeah. I, especially I think this, from a character standpoint and from a, just his natural abilities in terms of delivering promos, being kind of a disingenuous babyface. This works a lot better, in my opinion, if Jordan's a heel. But the way they're booking him now, I, I think even getting him to being a heel, it's a little late. I, I think if they had gotten off the blocks, and the whole angle here is that Jason Jordan is manipulating Kurt Angle, who has a lot of heart but not a lot of brains, that would be interesting. Yeah. And, well, I mean, that's a good segue. We can segue to uh, Jordan's former partner, Chad Gable. Um, I loved this Rusev match. I Me absolutely, yeah. this, this was like late eighties, early nineties, Steiner brothers, varsity club. You know, I, 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 I kind of put to it. Chad Gable's kind of getting the Tim Horner push here where he's, he's good enough to get a lot of offense on a guy, but he hasn't earned the big win yet. And when he earns the big win, theoretically, the crowd's going to, going to pop huge. Um, the the overhead belly to belly suplex spots where, where they're taking really great care of him. They, they yeah. make him look like a million bucks. He is getting to work with a whole bunch of guys and getting a lot of offense in. And yeah, I, I really enjoy these matches. And I think what they're doing with Gable is ultimately going to pay off because I think it just keeps building the crowd's attachment to this hardworking, undersized, scrappy guy. Yeah, and 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 the, the thing that worked against him though was how they structured the show because there's no way Rusev should have been cutting that promo and Randy Orton coming out right after that match. Yeah. They sh there should have been a commercial break. There should have been a lot of, there's Gable, he gave it his all, you know, give him the heroic send-off, you know, show him kind of being helped to the back, how he gave it his all, 
and everything and really just kind of let that last camera shot linger on him. Go to commercial, and then when you come back, Rusev can cut that promo about having no challenge in on SmackDown. Because all the goodwill you had from that match, from a sports entertainment point of view, absolutely dead with the Rusev-Orton thing coming in right after it. I completely agree. I think that at the end of each one of these losses, and they've done this in other matches, so it's not new, Gable needs to look like he's dying a little inside. And mm-hmm. we need to have a camera shot that focuses on Gable's anguished face as he stares back at the victor in the ring because each one of these losses is eating him up inside. I not only want that, because I, I love that idea. I absolutely love that idea. I want them to heighten that idea. I want like a segment later, have Renee outside of the locker room and giving that NCAA Final Four loser interview to him. Where it's like, hey, you know, really tough scene here in the locker room. What happened out there tonight? And just have Gable kind of give that, give that man, this absolutely crushed me tonight that I couldn't win in front of these fans right here. I want that kind of promo. And I want those to build over the weeks. So each one, the first one is something like, look, you know, you win some, you lose some. I'm going to focus. I'm going to come back harder next week. And then four weeks from now, we're building to Chad Gable's at the breaking point during each one of these promos where yeah. he's eating himself upside. He's, he's questioning himself. I think that that's the direction they need to go. I really like what they're doing with Gable, and I want them to do more. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with, with that. Um Let's see. They start off the show, uh, AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. What a shock. Two great wrestlers having a great match. Um, it's, it's weird because it doesn't get boring. Nope. But, but it, it feels, I mean, it feels like they've been going back and forth for a while now, and the stakes haven't really been heightened. That's the weird thing to me about this feud. I, I, I don't want to say I'm bored by it. But I'm kind of waiting for the intensity to ramp up, and it seems like all that intensity now is possibly going to go to a start of a program to build to a WrestleMania match between Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens. Ooh, see, I actually thought that there was a little bit of a Daniel Bryan tease, and I I know that that's forbidden talk here, but the way that the special referee angle was set up, Brian took a pregnant pause and stared at Kevin Owens and then said Shane. Yeah, I, look, I don't think Daniel Bryan's ever coming back to a ring. I don't. Yeah, the, the, I, yeah in the I WWE. And, and and God knows, looking at Shane on Tuesday night, swole patrol, right? Oh, yeah, and, he's I mean, huge. I mean, he. I mean, and he's gotten bigger since coming back. I mean, he, we, we, we laughed because when he first came back for WrestleMania – it's like he wasn't uh, he wasn't in shape. He was getting winded, and then all of a sudden, like within two weeks, he's in masterful shape. I'm not gonna put any dispersions on 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 anything on what. Uh, well, they don't test on part time performers, right, Jeff? Right. No, I I know, and he's been surfing a lot lately, so that he's been getting in shape. But I mean, he is more jacked than either competitor in this match. Um, but but I I I, I think. I think it has to be the natural thing because that's the move with Shane is they view Shane as a superstar. So you put him in there with a guy who, who, (laughs) and you hate to say this because they did the same thing kind of with AJ. It's like, well, you know, we're going to take a real chance on this guy. I mean, it's, it's that whole, uh, 
if you remember the story of CM when CM Punk mentioned, uh, you know what, we're going to do something different with you, and I just want to know if you can handle it. Can you handle playing heel? And CM Punk's like, what, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's that kind of kind of thinking, I think, here with, with the, wow, we're going to take a real chance on this Owens kid, see what he can bring to a WrestleMania program, even though he's had two or three of them already, and he's been phenomenal. But, I, I mean, I... Yeah, I think it's going to be Shane and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, and I think it starts here. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that is the case. This is where Talking Smack still being around would be incredibly useful. Oh, and God, Owens Owens was the man. That was his domain after the best left. Oh, oh he was so he was so fun. I, I was really excited when they did the Superstar Shuffle because it meant that Kevin Owens was going to be on Talking Smack every week. And the dynamic that was already forming between... Kevin and Renee that had already been there. And then oh. Kevin and Daniel Bryan. Like, I mean, it was all very, very fun. No one makes Renee young more uncomfortable and gets in her business on that show. Like Kevin Owens did. And it was fantastic to that. That was always for me the the magic of talking smack is when it would go off the rails a little bit and peek a little bit into what if this were quote unquote real type of type of thing. And that's, that was always, always the magic of, of of it being live is you kind of had that unpredictability that they say they have on the regular show. Ooh, you know, there was one other thing from bringing to the table that I think is worth mentioning, which is the Enzo in the doghouse segment. Yeah. Where you get kicked off, kick, kicked off the bus. Yeah. 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 So I, I think he is going to end up on two Oh five live. I actually think that, that would be a good move for Enzo. Do you think that? Cause I'm thinking they're going to make that push for Gable eventually possibly. Dude, that show needs a charisma injection hard. I love Neville on 205 Live, and I yeah. am probably in the vast majority of, like, I watch 205 Live. I actually like 205 Live. It's watchable. It's not necessarily memorable, but, like, it's easy, digestible wrestling that doesn't have a lot of the frills and stuff that I don't really care for. Uh, and I like Neville, I, and I really liked Austin Aries on that show, and ever since Aries has been gone, they've really needed someone who can cut a meaningful promo. You got I Kendrick agree. there. He's useful. Neville's useful, but man, Enzo and his intense baby facedness would actually be a good foil for like the Brian Kendrick and a good foil for Neville. I agree. If you're going to do the sports entertainment type of thing with the 205 Live brand, which they never should have done, they should have just kept the magic of the sports build of the CWC. This is the way to do it. And there's always one can't miss match on 205. That's pretty darn good. I mean, Grand Metallic finally getting on TV this week. Um, that was a good match. That oh, that Grand Metallic and Tony Nese match was really good. And I like Tony Nese a lot. I thought he was. I Me thought, too. I thought there'd be a lot. I thought Vince would take a real liking to him as a body guy and possibly not stick him in 205 and, and give him an upgrade. But you know what? I'm fine with him here. I really. I always like him, and I like him and his Drew Gulak uh, partnership. The <laughs> Drew Gulak to me, I <laughs> I, I, I like say, the Drew I say, Gulak character I say as this, well. I say this week after week. That's a guy who I could not bear to watch on the Indies at all. He bored me to death. Me too. And, and this one, magic. He's absolutely magic on this show. <laughs> He's so funny. He's such a good promo. And I didn't see that coming because same reaction when I saw him in the Indies and I just never really connected with the guy. I, I acknowledged that he was a good wrestler or whatever, but catch point was like, okay, all right, that's fine. Yeah, catch, catch but, point and him and Tracy, I mean, I'm not a big, the biggest Tracy Williams guy on, on the stick either. I think he's a, he's a really good wrestler, but I mean, just that whole stable, it was kind of like with, with Drew and, and Tracy running it just kind of, 
you know, Matt Riddle was the breakout star of that thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, so, no, no, weird. I'm definitely with you on that. No, um, and so for the title match from SmackDown, a little bit of a surprise here, I thought. Shinsuke Nakamura beating John Cena to go on yeah. to face Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam. Now, I here was my statement last week concerning this match, because I thought there was no way, absolutely no chance that Shinsuke Nakamura would win this match. Because I said, could you imagine the collective outcry of the internet fandom of Shinsuke Nakamura, work-rate god when he's motivated to a lot of these fans, going up against the basically the WWE smoke and mirrors champ of Jinder Mahal, and not only having to have a good match, but also losing to him probably clean. I mean, I don't want to really think about Jinder Mahal beating Shinsuke Nakamura clean. And I, I imagine if he loses at SummerSlam, it's going to be with a lot of the Singh brothers in the mix here. To the actual match, though, between Cena and Nakamura... I think it was interesting in the context of the bring to the table conversation about Cena and his drawing ability and star making ability because Cena does actually seem fairly committed to this project of making these guys that he's working with now on his wind down of his career. Oh, the wind down. He's he's doing the Jericho thing. Yes. Where he, he wants to have the best match with the guy who's called the best no matter what federation they're in. Like he really wants a Kenny Omega match right now. I can tell yeah. you that right now. I can tell you that because he's, he's hinted at it from time to time on his Instagram, which is nothing but him trolling people with certain hints about certain things. He never says outright what he wants. But you know just because he, he likes his reputation now as Big Match John to do that. Um, I enjoyed the second half of this match quite a lot. This is obviously the best Shinsuke match since the main roster, possibly even including his NXT run. Uh, but that last suplex spot, my God, that thing, when he dropped Cena oh, on his head. Right. And, and Cena's back has like no give either because he's so uh, defined in his upper body. So like when his head folds and, and the back basically doesn't give at all. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty rough. And he, and, he, and he tucked his chin on that, which was a mistake to do when you didn't over rotate enough there. So, I mean, there was, there was a lot going on in that. I'm hoping that doesn't, I hoping that doesn't, uh, affect change Nakamura. style. I yeah, mean, you can, you can, te- you can, you can tell that, that he apologized after the match. Um, he visibly says, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great, great match. And afterwards, not seen by those of us who, who watched just that this happened on the network, Baron Corbin coming down, attacking Shinsuke Nakamura, and um, I think he put Cena through a table. So I'm thinking that the SummerSlam match is going to be John Cena versus Baron Corbin, and wait for this, because this is a WWE move. er, Corbin loses early in the night to John Cena. Oh, and then he cashes cashes in. in and beats Nakamura for the title after the Jinder Mahal match. That's kind of where I think this is going because Nakamura has all those wins stacked up on Baron Corbin now too. So it would make all the sense that Nakamura wins the title, Corbin goes for the cash-in, or maybe even inserts himself into the match Rollins style. Yeah. 
I don't think that happens. I, I don't think it becomes a three-way unless... See, the only way it becomes a three-way is if they're okay with beating gender, like clean, to screw Nakamura out of it, I think. Yeah, I don't know. That's, a, that's an interesting point, too, because you still would have I just, to I just, th- I just think I think Jinder and the Singh brothers beat the crap out of Nakamura during this match. But Naka, or Nakamura, after the match. Nakamura the wins ma- the title, yeah, and they the beat match. the shit out of him. Yeah. Corbin comes out. But even during the match, they're interfering and stuff and wearing him down. Yes, they be- do the beat down after the match. Corbin, Corbin's music hits. He comes down. He cashes in. Sings a little bit mad because they had been playing up a little bit of animosity between them on talking smack and smackdown after he won the uh briefcase so they can kind of continue those hints even though i never think they'll pay that off and no then he win- and then he wins the title and gets a gets a relatively short run here in the uh post summer slam uh pre beginning of the year time to see what he can do too so i mean it would make total sense to have both god we may have both braun Strowman and baron corbin as champs on their respective brands well, that will be an interesting test of the homegrown talent. Yeah, it's tall guys, my guys, and and man, you know who that would feed? That would feed the guys who think, who have the political hit on Triple H theories all over the internet, who think Vince constantly is 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 trying to downgrade the effect of NXT. And no, the guys I like are. <laughs> <laughs> these beefcake dudes I, I mean like there there's something to that you know, all the like work rate monsters like nakamura aj styles kevin owens are relegated to yeah. the middle of the card or flirting with the top title and the people who you have the top titles on are guys that vince would be on board with whether it's brock who we all love but brock's a, a vince guy and for obvious reasons has the bell but then Ginger Mahal is clearly a Vince-style experiment. Braun Strowman would be a Vince-style experiment. Roman Reigns, whatever they're going to do with him. Certainly if they tried to do it with, with him as a face. But even like turning him heel at this point, it's, that's going to be a Vince-style experiment. I, right. Oh, by the way, on Roman Reigns, I think what's going to happen is Roman's going to turn heel on Seth and Dean. So the, the fake out is that Dean and Seth are going to screw each other over. They're not. Roman's going to screw them over. I don't think Roman screws him over. I think he just walks away because he's he's one against all. And he's, you know, he, I mean, they've been playing up this rugged individualist thing. I don't think it's a heel turn per se, but I could see them turning Seth and Dean heel against Roman for not joining them. I could see that happen. Well, they were flirting uh, the proxies for Vince, uh, Corey, and JBL on Bring It to the Table were flirting with this notion of the Roman Reigns heel turn. So I think that that one's coming, let's say, a lot sooner than the John Cena heel turn is. You've you've just made Wade Keller very happy. He's been pushing that for a better part of a year and a half. Well, you know what Roman needs here is a heel turn. Um, well, I just... he needs to be a heel, but but uh, I'll give you a hot take. Bray Wyatt needs to be a face, and the continued insistence on making him a heel is just as asinine as Roman Reigns being a face. I would agree. That's a baby face entrance. You, you got to yes. make him a baby face. And they, and he they actually did turn him turn them kind of face in that shield feud a little bit, um, and then they turned him right back heel the next week or something. There or no, there was a time they brought them back to jump some heels and get involved, and they eventually right. turned him right. turned him heel the next week again to kind of kill that. I forget what it was, but uh, some uh, there was the flirtation me. against not the corporation but like Triple H's faction, whatever yes. the hell it was called at that time, and the Whites were kind of against the corporation. They were playing tweeners. 3.0. And they got a yeah. huge pop, and then the next week, heel move. So it's like ah, that 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 interest lasted one week exactly. 
Um, speaking of NXT, uh, really great main event this week, I thought. Um, and in the past two weeks, Aleister Black has now beaten both members of the former ROH and PWG Tag Team Champions, uh, Bobby Fish. And this week, Kyle O'Reilly makes his debut for uh, NXT. What did you think of that? Oh, man, what a great match this was. And I was just thinking about this as I was watching that main event, that it's 2017. And this week on SmackDown, I watched Nakamura and Cena. And on NXT, you get Kyle O'Reilly versus Aleister Black with Mauro Ronaldo and Nigel McGuinness calling it. It's all very surreal. Like it It's is. weird what NXT has become. It's become kind of a little fantasy league of indie wrestling in, in its own way. It, it's, it's very, I mean, if I could get rid of Percy Watson, I'd be very, very happy. You and me both, brother. But, but like the striking and the fact that they were working a very not WWE style match, yes. I think, played to this perfectly. I love the more... MMA combat sports inspired wrestling that has been coming up and WWE has been very, very slow to incorporate this stuff and will only incorporate it in like little fits and starts. You'll get like CM Punk or Daniel Bryan who will try to push that envelope, but by and large, they don't like doing that. I love that O'Reilly and Aleister Black were able to just go at it. I, yeah, I, I, I just like having differences of styles. Like I think a tag team match, a really great tag team match has its own fluidity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like having a brawl here and there. I like having a nice technical match. You know, I I like having like one aerial choreography type of high spot type thing. And then I like having this type of thing, which is kind of like a, a, a mixture of them all. Uh, I do you think that they team up Fish and O'Reilly or keep them separate because that that tag team division Losing a little bit of depth here with uh, with with injuries and, and call-ups and the like. Yeah, I, I think that putting together Red Dragon would be good. I, I think the Authors of Pain need some competition, too, that doesn't suck. Because I, I am not interested remotely in the Sanity versus Authors of Pain angle. It, no. it just doesn't. And, oh my god, that Ellering promo this week, that was a terrible promo. And that was a pre-tape. That was a very bad promo. No, I, I agree that they, 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 the whole book of pain thing, it's just, it's another well, they, chapter in the book they, of pain. Well, just, oh, sanity ripped out the pages of their imaginary book. That's how we'll build this feud as opposed to just see, I always liked and And I'll date myself here. Did you did you ever watch or ever see any episodes of the late 80s show roller games? No, no, it, no it was, deep ro- it was OK. It was roll. It was roller derby you know, book like professional wrestling. It was better than Roller Jam on TNN. I'll tell you that much right now. It's okay, a bit, okay. Roller a Jam kind of sucked. A little bit more schlocky because, like, they had a gator pit that they had to jump over. You know, it was very, very WWE meets meets Roller Derby. But the cool thing they did was they, they'd have these heel-on-heel matches and babyface-on-babyface matches. And they they had they had the bad guys who were called bad attitude, and they had this one group of heels who were just mercenaries called the maniacs. But they were just kind of in it for money, and they're also a little bit crazy as well. So you had kind of I always loved that dynamic of bad versus evil, and 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 this is what that sanity versus authors of pain thing should have. I mean, I never minded heel versus heel matches like like when they were first doing the the build. For like the Midnight Express versus Tully and Arn. Oh, that and, was great. And they eventually that was had, awesome. And they eventually babied, babied the Midnight Express in the feud. But it was still like, yes, bad guys are not supposed to get along with other bad guys. And there are varying levels in terms of what people want 
and what their motivations are to make people evil. And that feud played on it perfectly. That's what I wanted out of this feud. But instead, we're getting, you know, sports entertainment. Oh, they took the book and they ripped out pages and they threw it up in the air like a third grade classroom or something. I just, uh, yeah, that, that, and Paul Ellering is just, <laughs> he's not interesting is my problem. Yeah, in any of these I, I feel like in, in spurts, he's fine. But extended exposure exposes him. There's another talking point out of NXT I wanted to hit, which is the English as a second language promos, Uh, particularly with a guy I love, but I I have to, you know, lay it in on him. Hideo Itami, he was injured for what, like basically the better part of two years here. And Mm -hmm. his English is still really rough and his ability to deliver a promo is really bad. And, And like, I don't know how someone didn't sit him down with a Rosetta Stone and go, look, man, if you're going to make it here in WWE in this product, you're going to have to have more competency with English. Yeah, it's the stubbornness of not hiring a guy to talk for him versus. That's also true. Let's see how motivated he is to be a star in this company. Let's see if he can learn a completely new language in a few months. You know, it's it's it's. But it's not a few months, that, and that's my point. It'd be it, like it, I think it's a completely unfair criticism in the first two months or three months or even six months. Like that is one thing. When he was injured and not in the ring and didn't have to focus on any of that, that is when I expected him to come back from that injury with a better grasp on English. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I always thought his promo should be. Uh... <laughs> or his, his his gimmick should be if you ever saw that that episode of the uh of the simpsons where uh the yakuza gets involved in already the know war, where you're going yes he's the, the guy in the white guy, suit but, yes the silent yes. guy in the white suit who's gonna do something really cool as soon as you turn away <laughs> that's who i wanted to do with tommy to be this entire time okay good at least <laughs> at least i didn't go too deep for that cut right there. oh no no i'm completely with you my co-host over on lucha the hidden temple you know hosts a simpsons podcast so I, I'm, I'm up on some of these things <laughs> but but like i like what they did you know to continue on that conversation i like parent Andrade Cien Almas with Selena because I think that that gives his character some something to play off of she can be the mouthpiece for him I I think that that actually works really well they probably should have paired Hideo with somebody but really if he just delivered one-liners and they were all really badass and cool every time you could work around that too yeah yeah no I I agree yeah he should be the the strong silent type and and play you know he's a guy that should have the evil foreigner gimmick of anybody on this roster. Um, I think Selena, I mean, that is, that is a gimmick restoration right there. Oh yeah. Seeing almost was dying. And this is really the first time that the, the, you're not being motivated kind of that breaking the fourth wall type of gimmick has really come off well in a long, long time on WWE television. This works great because the whole you're not being motivated thing feeds into why this character, Cien Almas, would allow himself to hitch his wagon to Selena, who is certainly going to be revealed over time to be more and more crazy. Yeah, it's one of those reasons I love NXT so much. The, the, the only other thing I wanted to bring up on NXT is this rumor from the Observer that there's a possibility that people from the main roster who have some NXT... Um, nostalgia to attach to them or perhaps people that they want to rehab may get brought back down to NXT. 
Um, the show's thought- not long enough to accommodate that is my thought on that. I, I think that it's an hour program. It's a tight program. If it was 90 minutes, there's probably room to do something like that. But I worry that resetting characters from the main roster down in NXT is going to be counterproductive to developing the people you've already got going down there. Here's my fear is that they don't see enough in Sami Zayn as a main roster act that they're going to put him back down on NXT. Oh, I know. I really worry about that. He, but he's so not over on the main roster, right? I mean, <laughs> it, I, I like him, but he flounders and it's, I don't think it's his fault. No, it's not. Uh, I mean, it's not his fault, but you're but losing to Mike Can- floundering, losing to Mike Canales and then Aiden English this week. It's just like, Oh man, it's like, they're taking all that goodwill and, and, well, let's take a let's take a flyer on the on this guy who has the same annoying gimmick as the annoying singing guy on Raw, and I'm just he's like, not even an underdog anymore. The way he lost to Aiden English wasn't underdoggy at all. No, like it was an underdog dumb. would would it fight was, his ass out to get out yeah. of a roll up like that. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's it's uh, what they were doing with Becky Lynch for a number of weeks, where it's like you're you're the smartest competitor on this roster. You're the best wrestler on the women's division. Oh, a theme song. Well, what's over there? Huh? And then gets rolled up for a pin. And you're just like, this doesn't give her any credibility. It just makes her look like a moron. I like that they actually have incorporated Becky is dumb when it comes to friends as like a character part. Now. It's, it, it's the Bailey and NXT thing story. Yeah, I don't know, but she she even brings it up. She's like, well, I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to picking my friends. It's like, ah, that's an admirable quality. She sting. She she gets it. She sting. Yeah. Everybody turns on me. <laughs> uh, you were nice enough this week to uh, to join us in our little gimmick here. Uh, of we watch Glow every week. Okay, and, and okay. We, we, we've started uh, doing that, and this week we got up to episode five. I don't know if you've watched up to episode five or if you've just watched this episode. Jeff, I am your friend, so I watched this episode because you asked me to, but I have not watched up to it yet. Okay, well, that'll make it interest- even more interesting. Um, I'm a little down on this episode, because if, if I had a subtitle for it, I would call it, This One's for the Ladies. <laughs> um, that was definitely me- how I felt. I, there was a lot of uh, very female-oriented storylines in this one, like yes. the crush with the pizza boy. Yeah, that... Thank you. That... So let me get this straight. It's it's teenage angst, teenage love type of story with a, a presumably someone a punk I think rocker in their in their twenties. Yes, a goth emo type anachronism in the eighties. And the first thing she's gonna do is hook up with the dude. I didn't buy it. I'm sorry. I just did not buy it from that way. The, the credibility was not established. Uh, of I mean, I could see that being a fantasy sequence and then going on to like an awkward type style date and then eventually falling into that. But just just just, hey, I bought a pizza for you. Here's a guy to bone you. See you later. I just went, no, that doesn't. No, I'm sorry. I can't. Maybe I'm just too old fashioned. What, what were your thoughts? on? That? No, I, I'm with you. I thought it sort of undermined the whole story of them being awkward. The idea would be like. They have a hard time communicating, so the actual hookup scene would be something that you'd pay off later on in the season rather than to just sort of tease this with both of them going like, hey, hey, yeah. hey, want to hook yeah. up? Okay. But I, it's just a little flat for me, I, and I, it was silly. It, the, the whole thing, I, I get the puppy love element and playing with that, but this 
pushed the bounds of reason. Yeah, and by like the I've, third time the pizza guy was there, I was like, enough with the pizza guy. Yeah, I find I find that actress endearing in the character. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, think, yeah, she, yeah. I think she's great doing she's, that. She's my speed. I, I, like, I like it. But yeah, no, I feel you. And the other the other moment that uh, I'll get to the good parts of this episode in a moment, but the other part that I just went, no, that's a little too on the nose was when they went to they actually went to the American Legion Hall. It's a little bit gussied up for this show, but that's the that's the Legion Hall where PWG runs its shows. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, for 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 the I mean that that's the actual dump that we sit in and that's the actual sweat box we sit in for bola kids that that's although it looks much better because it had a lot of like really fancy lighting and stuff in there that we don't get the aha moment of the soap opera actress realizing wrestling's a soap opera oh i know right i just yeah. uh, no i uh. i i go she she's been such a smart well-written character up to this point i understand looking down on wrestling as, as a character trait. But to be that obtuse and then have the aha moment right in the, right before an Alex Riley match or steel horse. I just, that, that was just a little bit, it was too on the nose for me. No, I, I'm with you. It's kind of weird for her to be earlier in the episode talking about how she's this caricature Liberty bell, the all American girl and everything like that. And then just, Finally grasping, oh my god, this is like a soap opera or a comic book. Yeah, especially your brand of wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, uh... like, you guys say that your wrestling is stereotypes. Like, yeah, of course. Yes. They, I mean, like soap operas, they have stereotypes. Like comic books, they have stereotypes. Your wrestling is caricatures. Yeah, I did, I did like... Uh... Playing her mother was a stand-up comic from, I mean, she she was signed to a sitcom deals back in the mid-90s, back when they were trying to find the next Roseanne, woman by name of Lisa, ah, Ann, okay. woman by name of Lisa Ann Walter, who does some radio out here occasionally, but she was an absolute sweetheart when I was still on the stand-up circuit, so I, yeah, this was when they were signing, like, Brett Butler's of the world. And right, right. Lisa Ann, yeah, they were trying to find the next kind of blue-collar woman who's, who's from also, middle America, who's also brainy. You know, yeah. type of thing that that was the whole archetype. So, I mean, I, 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 that that popped me a bit. Uh, this is also possibly the most endearing I found Allison Brie on this show um, because she she plays the over eager actress character and everything like that. But she she still kind of becomes naturally unlikable, and or at least cri- I mean, she's cringe humor. She's she's Tina Fey. She's playing Tina Fey a Tina Fey role, which was Allison show. Brie. Uh, she, she was the one who, um, oh wow. The Russian. Okay. Yeah. She played the Russian. She broke out. Okay. Oh Russian yeah. yeah. Accent. No, no. I really, I liked her as the Russian. Yeah. No, I, I thought that, and I liked the, I liked her falling into the character and really sort of gravitating into the character. I liked that whole sequence at and, the patio furniture store. Yeah. And that's been, that's been her role on this show is that she's, she's the thespian of the group who views this as acting and I'm in an acting role. She's the archetype of every struggling actor in Los Angeles who's being, you know, very try hard about what's my character's motivation and, and things like that. And she, what, and, and, and she, she, since she slept with her best friend's husband, she's been kind of the butt of all the jokes as well in that she's the heel, but, they don't have a character for her, so they've just been kind of playing up the reality of, of what a what a bitch she was to to turn on her best friend, 
And what she really wants is a character to sink my teeth into. And she got her opportunity here uh, during the patio furniture bit. No, I, I really liked um, um, that part of it. But overall, the episode. Um, oh, and Chris <laughs> Daniels. Chris Daniels, best moonsault ever. A, a, a moonsault in, in the early 80s, huh? Okay. I uh, know. No, not just a moonsault. A, a fancy pants moonsault. The, the best the moonsault best ever. Moonsault not ever. Yes. Yeah. And, not like uh, the Lanny Poffo moonsault that I kind of like the way Poffo does his, but not yeah. even like that. Like, yeah. And Joey Ryan. Joey <laughs> Ryan. Yes. I, I like it. Joey, Joey Ryan with uh, his ring valets. Yeah. And, uh, and, and this is, uh, <laughs> I actually liked Alex Riley in this. I did. I, I, I yeah. Really yeah. He was, much. he was fine in this. Yeah, I didn't care for him when they got off of commentary and tried to be a a a, a wrestler again in NXT. But I, I thought he was qu- quite all right on this. I mean, you know, he has some acting chops, but I mean, I mean, he was fine, kind of playing. Yeah, he played. He, he didn't have much to stretch on, but at least he was likable, and I, I get points for likability um, when it's a natural. I think he did. He did a good job delivering the kind of wrestling content too. The the part where he is explaining how heels and faces play off of each other. Yeah. It was good to have a wrestler explaining that because that dialogue felt very natural. Yeah. The, uh, you don't having a wrestler explain it was probably better than having say Mark Marin explain it. I like <laughs> Mark Marin's snark. I, 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 you know, it becomes overbearing at times, but it's never unwelcome. I think is, is the way yes. I'd, I'd put it. Um, because there are no changes in his demeanor. Absolutely. No matter how much character development they give him, he's always going to be this, this jerk who does not want to be here in some ways. And I always find that somewhat. <laughs> no, I, I love that. This is purely utilitarian play, for him. It's play. Mark Marin is playing Mark Marin in a costume that you're not supposed to think he's Mark Marin, but he's Mark Marin. I, I, I enjoy that. He's, he's an anachronism in his own show. So what what I will say is is that like this show I, I enjoyed it enough by the time I got to the end of the episode where I was like ah I'd watch some more episodes of Glow I, I don't know that I'll watch all of it I, and honestly I don't know that I have time to watch all of it I, I people are always making me television recommendations and I'm like yes someday maybe yeah, I, I will get to that I don't like it enough where I'd be binge watching it this but if I have time I do it and if it wasn't for the show I want for me it's become kind of a roller coaster where it's like great episode. Eh, episode like the episode before this fantastic i love it it's like the even number episodes are great the odd number episodes that set up the the action for the odd number episodes eh, you know not not my thing but uh so so let me let me ask you then a question about my love life should i save this for like the next time i'm dating someone and you know like we want to sit down as a couple and watch like a series and this could be a thing that's like wrestling-y that I'll i can watch something. with a lady Rob's now wife was a fiance at the time we recorded it came on the show. She, she adored this show. Okay. And okay. my, and the female comics in my circle, they usually just, they give, they give all these female projects a lot of leeway anyways. I'll put it that way. I, uh, yeah, but they, yeah. they really, they really like it. I've seen people not involved in comedy that are my friends. Like people I went to college with on social media say they loved it. So Yes, the the women will like it, and if you ever decide to divulge you're a wrestling fan to a member of the opposite sex, not something I recommend necessarily. I <laughs> professionally don't have much of a choice. No, that's, that's <laughs> it, true. It, it comes up sooner rather than later yes. in my life. 
That that's yeah. true, but I I try not to. I mean, but but yes, this is a way for you to. Well, this is kind of what uh, what interests me about it. This is kind of how it all works. It's it's not just brainless fun or whatever. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a way it, you can watch it together, and you can get a little bit out of it, and she can get a little bit out of it, and you'll be both very happy. But uh, taking, so, how do I transition taking, her on, into take, midnight? Ex- oh. Take, yeah, taking dating advice from no. Ask ask the Tinder boss Lanza because I've had Tinder for years and I think I've never gotten a match. Well, you gotta get off Tinder and get on Bumble, dude. Like like Tinder's Tinder's dead done, now. It's all on, about I've Bumble. Done, I've done Tinder. I've done eHarmony. I've done OK Stupid. I've done all. Those. OK Stupid's awful. The OK Stupid is the shitty dive bar that you go into and there are fifteen people there and you look around and they're all kind of unappealing there's one that you're kind of interested in you send them a message and they're not interested and then you come back to the bar the next night and you're like oh maybe something will be different but nothing's different it's the same 15 people who were there last night and the week before (laughs) i've done plenty of fish or at least i've signed up for it i've never because all the all the emails i I got out of there all the the emails i got were women from out of town who (laughs) yeah it's a it's a it's a, it's a christian dating site so it's like so it's like first you get the sob story and then it's like but I found Jesus and I'm like it's the sob story that's bugging me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's funny. Usually you can't just turn the page that easy in life yeah, is what yeah. I've discovered. Yes, yeah. it's not that easy. <laughs> so Chris, tell the people where they can find you, put in your plugs, get your shit in, so to speak. Well, Rob, Jeff, thank you guys so much for having me on. If you want to hear more from me on the wrestling side, I host a show called Lucha of the Hidden Temple. You can find that right at VoicesOfWrestling.com or on this iTunes and or Stitcher stream. I also host a show about news and politics. Politics. That is called Don't Worry About the Government. Our homepage is don'tworry.tv. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I talk some about wrestling when I'm watching wrestling, but I talk about politics when I'm watching politics. So just caveat right there. But my Twitter account is at C H R I S N O V E M B R I N O. Jeff, always a pleasure. Oh, no, thank you very much. You can follow me at CrapGame13. You can follow the show and Rob McCarran at ShakeThemRopes, all one word. And since Rob wasn't here this week for feeling under the weather and being a little bit exhausted between work and the wedding, please feel free to tweet him about the wedding and give your congratulations to him. I hope nothing for the best for him, and I hope his wife is very patient with us as we continue this podcasting endeavor. Uh, Chris, one more question. Have you ever seen a ghost? In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.